0: Are you ready for the weekend yet? We have events, news, and a guest for you to enjoy this Lake Life Weekend. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Lake Life Weekend Podcast. I'm Dirk, I'm your host, and we are approaching week and 35. Stay tuned for an interview with Ellen Arvik from Arvik Communications. And you may think, why is that a lake life story? And I think it is a great lake life story because in today's world, we are living connected. It's all about connectivity to the internet, to our friends, to social media and all those things. And hear the story from the Arvik family, how they have established infrastructure for us to enjoy the World Wide Web in Lakes Country, everywhere, on high speed, it's, I thought it was a really great story. So um, here, Alan talk about the past seven decades and how his father started a very small company in Perm and how it grew pretty much um, into all directions of the state of Minnesota. Stay tuned for that, please. And also go to our website, lakelifeweekend.com for latest updates. Uh, the area and our event schedule and our event map. Um, If you haven't checked that out yet please go there and tell us what you think. Also email us to events at lakelifeweekend.com so we can put your event on our map coming up. If you have any questions to what we are doing email us as well and if you'd like to have um, our publication or anything we have postcards we have stickers and we have a road trip map as well email us and we will send you a little package we always um, like to connect to our community members thank you so much for sharing our content on facebook and everywhere where you can find us please give us your rating about this podcast if you feel like it on itunes or wherever you are listening to this i don't want to keep this much longer now from our interview part please enjoy alan arvik and the arvik communications story from Perham, minnesota have a wonderful weekend ahead. welcome to our interview part i'm here with mr alan arvik hello alan hello there Thank you for meeting with me. Um, I was going to capture the Arvik story, um, how we are connected to the World Wide Web or communications in general in Lakes Country through your organization. Uh, before we go into a deep dive about the history, um, about your father who founded the company, um, I would like to hear a little bit about yourself and um, let's just dive into the Arvik history with your dad, maybe? Okay, uh, well, my
1: history, uh, I was born in 1940, and actually Sock Center. Okay. Uh, moved to Wadena, Minnesota about six months later. This is uh, what I've been told anyhow. <laughs> uh, we lived in Wadena until uh, late, well, until 1951, when we moved to Perm. Uh, my school years was were primarily in Wadena, although uh, my last year in Wadena, I went to school and uh, started in Watford City, Watford City, North Dakota. Uh, went to uh, a town in Montana, Glendive, and then from there to Wadena to finish. I spent three months in each location. Okay. The next school year was uh, Perm, and that was. Uh, was in 1950, the, the year with three schools.
0: So your fa- your family moved around quite a bit.
1: Uh, my father did. Uh, he had electrical business in in Wadena, but he also had a uh, a construction company that built rural electric lines. He put in the power to to rural farmers that never had power before in their life. Oh. And. Uh, That's how uh, a lot of the rural countries, uh, some of the counties, some of the telephone companies or power companies in Minnesota got their first rural power was from Arvig Brothers construction. I see. Uh, We did, I'd like to say the western half of uh, North Dakota was built by uh, Arvig Brothers. uh, And then from 1945, 1946. I spent all my summers traveling uh, with my father and living in a trailer house and helping. Uh, the The family went along. Well, that's <laughs> helping. I I spent a lot of time out on the on the cruise. So yeah, it it was it was fun. How old were you then? Uh- I uh, I started to, started to travel like that when I was five six. Okay, okay, that young. Yep. So you saw the. Company so I from yeah, the beginning. I saw the, well, that was a kind of a, a power company. My father was actually born and raised in the, in the phone business in Melrose, Minnesota. Uh-huh. But not being the eldest son in the family, uh, it passed to his older brother. And my father became a, a master electrician, and he worked for a while as a late teenager, uh, early 20s for Todd Electric in uh, Wadena. Okay. And that's why we ended up moving to, to Wadena.
0: Oh, so your father already was a second generation, so to say, but his yes. brother took over the yep, telecommunication. Yeah, took over that. Very interesting. And uh,
1: my father uh, found out that there was the perm telephone uh, exchange was going to be uh, put up for auction and
0: uh, he put a bid in on it and won it in 1950. In 1950? Yeah. So 1950, there was a, that was the old phone company, the exchange? That was the, the exchange, it was- uh, When you dialed in and you got connected with an well, operator? well,
1: Yeah, you called. You
0: talked to the operator. Really? Uh,
1: I, uh, I know that our first phone system here was a little different than what I had in Wadena, but uh, it was the old hand crank. Uh, Our our ring was seven long and one short, and uh, when we lived up here on Little Pine, I mean, it was interesting. And actually, uh, in 1965, when I was a serviceman in the company, after I got back from the service, I uh, uh, was assigned to Walker Exchange, and I was replacing a gentleman that was retiring up there as a serviceman. we had a magneto exchange. That's what you called the old hand crank,
0: okay, phone, and
1: that was at Longville. So the one of the last ones that we had anyhow. That was it.
0: So you the that was also owned by your father then in Warkin? Yeah, it's so uh, grew-
1: yes. Uh, uh, we acquired that through an acquisition uh, in nineteen fifty nine. Okay. The the company uh, acquired. Uh, Walker, uh, Akeley, uh, Bertha Hewitt, and Deer Creek.
0: Wow, so they were small, little, were they city-owned? So no, bit- no, they were They were owned by someone. someone. And they, it just happened that they, they all de- kind of retired?
1: Yeah, they kind of decided they wanted to get out of the business or the business was starting to grow fast enough that, that they figured it was time to go.
0: Okay, and yeah. And I think, I mean, first of all, your father grew up in a communication family. His father had one, but then the electric lines pulling. So how was telecommunication back in the day? It was a copper wire right on the, Uh, how how were you connected? It it really wasn't a a
1: copper wire. It could be copper, but quite often it was just a a steel line. It only took one circuit because it was ground return. Okay. And uh, most farm lines, the farmers owned the lines themselves, they built the lines themselves, and they contracted with the owner and perm. They'd bring the line into the edge of town and the, the owner of the, the city would bring it up and hook it up to their switchboard and they'd get these rings. And uh, those lines were quite often uh, attacked the trees, the fence posts. Uh, just if that was weren't the available, house. they'd put a pole
0: in the ground and just string it between them. Just the line? Just the line. And then, I'm sorry, I'm not that, I'm always, I'm obviously so young. So the switchboard, like, there was one line that went to each household? Uh, they were
1: all connected to the one line. Ah, okay. That's, that's why, like, our ring when I came here was seven long and a short. There was 40-some people on that line. Explain that. What does that mean? I, I that uh, really... well that one line had forty customers on it or okay. plus. It, it had it had more than one customer on it. Okay. And and each customer was signed a different ring. Really? And like a code. Like a code. And and when, when uh somebody contacted the operator and says, I, I, I want Tom miss Tom Smith or Joe Blow and they looked at it and they said okay this is one short and two too long and they'd sit there and they'd send out two one short and two long or it could be a long short and a long it's whatever like a the morse code, code, code in a way yep it w- that's kind of like a, what you call it a morse code yeah but that's how they would ring it and somebody out in the country in the rural outside the city limits would everybody would hear this call i was going to say every phone on the 40 would ring every phone would ring and uh, if you had too many people on the line, you, be, you better grab it and, and get your message first, because as more people picked up, the less volume you had. Okay. And all of a sudden, everybody would pick up, then nobody could hear anything. <laughs> so. <laughs> that is. It, it it was it was difficult, but yeah. then that, that's why the most of the rates there were. Oh, this was back in the '50s, so they weren't too expensive anyhow, but they were in cents and not dollars. Per call? No, for a month. Oh, for a month, okay. Unlimited calling? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I remember going to, to Longville, and that's the magneto system that I had to take care of. it. They maybe had 125 customers in the whole exchange. But uh, a business customer paid, paid about 72 to 75 cents a month and a residential customer paid 30 cents. Wow, okay. But uh, the service that you got, that's about what it was worth. I know that I fought all kinds of trouble up there in the, in the, in the country, because that was Lake Country something like like here, and it was attacked to, to trees, and we'd go out there to work, to work on, on the, the system to try to find why signals were so scratchy well, the line went right through the middle of the tree. It had been tacked to the tree so long that the, the wire grew into the tree. I see. And so in the spring when the sap was running, it was kind of grounding the line and make it very scratchy, very noisy. Yeah. When the, in the wintertime when there was no sap, it worked good. Interesting. So tech, that was the 50s or 60s already? That was, uh, this was in uh, the middle 60s when this happened. But Okay. Perm lines were, were like that, although they weren't kind of as, as old as, as the walker system was. But it was farmer built, magneto system, and uh, perm when, when we came to town and uh, my father worked in the building the power lines. That's when the REA system, was developed in Washington for rural electrical, uh-huh. and that's why all these uh, townships uh, and, and power companies were coming onto the line. There were cooperatives yeah. in, in the rural build, and Dad was building these, and he was well aware, because of the, the electrical side of it, in 1948, they passed a, a law, or they passed a regulation in Congress, and they opened that up for rural telephony. Okay. And that's when father said, well, that's what the rural, rural uh, telephony needs is, is the government to get involved to, to force the box, the the Bell Telephone companies at that time, okay. to, to start building into the rural because they were basically, they'd build us into the city and very little rural because there wasn't much revenue in the rural.
0: Right. So they didn't invest in the infrastructure?
1: Yeah. And then that's and that was why the REA came about. Well, we bought the family bought the Perm Telephone Company, and the first thing that they did when they, when they got they made an application to the to the government for a rural loan to to build out the the rural area. Okay, to connect. Connect. To
0: yeah. Not just to be in the city, but to connect them out. Yeah. Okay.
1: And and when they acquired that loan, then they notified that all the, the rural farmers that owned all these lines and in, in like Perm, there was probably 12, 15 of them, I don't even remember the exact number, but every direction, those farmers owned theirs and this farmer's owned theirs, you know, there was many different groups of farmers that built their own line out to, to this group of, of farmsteads. Okay. And they all then were, were notified that we were changing the technology. Yeah. And that they, if they wanted to continue, they had to build them to the, their lines to the technology to bring them to town. Or they could ask us to take over their lines and, and give them service. Okay. And, and virtually everybody in the, in the rural uh, asked us to, to build that.
0: So and that was in the middle uh,
1: '60s. That's no, that's that started in, with Perm Telephone Company in in 1953 is when we. Oh, that early. Yep, early. The the switchboard went in actually across the street. Okay. And and that's the middle of that building is the original switchboard and building. Actually, second floor is where I lived as a kid. So. Okay. <laughs> right above the business. Yep. Yeah, I started there as a janitor actually in 1954 as a 14-year-old. So (laughs) that was true family business. Yep. But it's Perm got built. uh, Then I believe uh, Dent asked asked us to come into town, and uh, we purchased the city. And I don't even remember who the owner was at that time. And. that was the next area, and then New York
0: Mills joined, and we just started slowly expanding. But and you were invited to, like it was, yeah, like an organic. Uh, or somebody wanted to sell out because you know when when
1: technology changes or moves, and and one area gets it, the next area wants it, mm. and if the people or the group of people don't want to invest in it, then pretty soon they're forced by their own subscribers. Okay. And so, I mean, it just, it expanded that way.
0: And this was all pockets in in Minnesota. Okay, so uh, we grew Autotail County. Yeah. And then you grew in in additional counties starting in the 60s? Well, no, it's actually at the,
1: Autotail County was, was primarily in the 50s and up to the middle 50s. Uh, then with that purchase in 59 uh, we ended up in in Todd county with Bertha okay and then Cass County with uh, Akeley and Walker and uh, then we added we purchased Longville also in, in the in 65 that's when Longville came in hmm and uh, next, I believe, was—no, in 61, Nevis mm-hmm. was purchased, mm-hmm. which is Hubbard County. Yeah. So we, we slowly
0: expanded. Uh, well, slowly, almost every year, uh, you entered well, a new a, market. A little bit, yeah. yeah. So in the
1: late 60s, it was Vergas,
0: which is Becker. Right. And uh, let's see here. Then uh, we went... Vergas is still Otter County, I think, isn't it? Vergas? Right on the edge. It's, it's, it's on the edge. It's either,
1: it's either Ottertail or Becker. A lot yeah. of their customers are in, in Becker County, yeah. I know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you are serving Detroit Lakes today. Yeah, now we... Well, that's... We, For a while. We
1: see like in there. Uh, Bell still is, owns the city in the rural area. So how does that work? We just kind of... Yeah. Well, we purchased a cable system there okay. in 1985. And uh, in the early 90s, uh, we started to expand and uh, actually the cable companies all over the country, it was started in some very large ones that decided that they wanted to compete with the telephone companies in, in those larger cities. And the cable company, you mean TV? TV? and uh, they kind of started it, and we just followed suit on that one.
0: Okay. And
1: uh, we started to, to overbuild, and then we started uh, putting in fiber optics into the cable system to ex- expand uh, the, the system better in the 90s also. Already? Well, yeah, that's, that's another thing. That's uh, you know We go back... You know, we were the third company in the nation back in the, in the, the the 50s that went to direct buried telephone cable.
0: Really, after Bell, who who?
1: No, I don't know who started it, but yeah. somebody started it to where they they developed a plow that was pulled by a, a cat and uh, put the wire into the ground. Yeah. And uh, we started that. We were like the third in the nation, the first in Minnesota that started with that system.
0: So majority of your lines are in ground?
1: Virtually everything's underground. Underground, yeah. yeah. Very, very few or very little is above ground. Yeah. And, and we're lucky that uh, in this area of Minnesota anyhow, you don't have uh, the granite in the ground like you have around St. Cloud and Melrose, because there's some areas up there that there's only about that much dirt and then it's all solid granite. Oh, there, oh, there. It's hard to go underground then. So you, some of those areas will end up drilling a hole in the ground and putting a pole in it. And, okay. And that's the only way you can get service over some of these uh, rock granite ridges down there. But
0: here it's easy to get into the ground. So we're underground here. So I see there's a lot of technology change after, <clears throat> sorry, purchasing like the first exchanges, so you're improving your system? Well, it's, we tried to stay
1: on the leading edge of the technology. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always like to call it the bleeding edge because uh, a lot of those changes in the technology that came around were costly. And there was uh, quite a few that didn't work. So you, you invested in, technology that didn't go anywhere because something else that came along that was just a little bit better and doing the same thing, and it was cheaper, and that's what, what worked, so okay. that you, you, you'd make the little changes and it would improve. Fiber optics. We started fiber optics in 1990. Really? Uh, we still have it in service today, and that was we started at New York Mills, uh, we were the, the beta study for Kalex. Uh, and we built, uh, we served 110 customers from New York Mills to Rush Lake.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And- uh, Just phone,
0: obviously. There was no internet was, no, yet. No, there was no internet then. No. Uh,
1: that was just phone. Through fiber optics already? Yeah, well, it was phone and video. What kind time. of video cable TV? Cable TV, and that's uh, that was uh, where we started cable TV within our own cells.
0: Yeah, you provide okay. Yeah. And uh, we. That st- <laughs> that was founded. Is it a division? Like, was that founded in the '90s? Then, with that technology, or when did that come out? Yeah. About?
1: Well, the, the cable TV, the the t- that was the kind of the technology fiber optics. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the video for that. Uh, was got into it and we were a beta study for them. They had a company down in Kansas that uh, was the Alpha Company that did it. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of changes, a lot of advancement. Uh, we spent the cost per company on those 110 people uh, you couldn't charge enough to, in their lifetime, to ever- recoup. It. Recoup it, but you know that's like this. I'd like to say we were on the bleeding edge because it led the technology that became,
0: uh, you know, to where you could make some money on it. Is that still in the ground and used? Oh yeah, still we still use it. Okay, so it was a successful study. Yeah, <laughs> a successful
1: study. Uh, Calix uh, is is a large provider in the video and in the fiber optics uh, system in this country.
0: Okay. So. And it's a partner of yours, or you're a partner of them then? Uh, well,
1: it's, uh, we were, but uh, they filed a few times and we didn't reinvest. Okay. So it's, uh, we still use their product and, and everything, but we have a, f- a few shares. but
0: Yeah. So from the 50s and 60s and that growth spurt, now in the 70s 80s and the 90s we arrived at fiber optics what 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 happened between the 70s 80s and 90s when did you take over from your dad
1: uh, my father died in
0: 1975
1: oh, okay uh, he had a bout of cancer that uh, they discovered in in the fall of 74 uh, uh, he had an exam on 24th of December and they said it's terminal and mm. Sorry, he was buried on April second. So
0: okay, and then you slid into his shoes. I slipped, slipped into his shoes. Yeah. In so. in 1975. Yep,
1: we had 26 employees at that time. About 9,000 customers, not quite. So and it was uh, and it was a primarily a voice only company.
0: And was it small or like how many companies of that size in Minnesota existed? At, like at 9,000 customers? Uh,
1: well, let's see here, 1975 in Minnesota, there was probably 150 telephone companies or more. That many? Yeah, uh, at 9,000 size, uh, we were probably in the top 10 in the in, this, in the state.
0: Like 100, oh wow. Oh so yeah,
1: well, at, at that time, there was about 6,000
0: in the United States companies now they're down to a couple hundred yeah <clears throat> well in Germany that didn't exist it was you probably know better than anyone uh, Deutsche Telekom like here T-Mobile is a yep. German subsidiary but Deutsche Telekom was owned by the government and yep. it is I think it's a constitutional obligation to provide telecommunication to each citizen so Europe or Germany at least is Organized very differently, um, as we all know, it's it's more governed, Go yep. more governed and more governed provided, and it's not necessarily a for profit. Like everybody needed to be connected, that was a different approach. I did not know we have 150 back in the 75s that that was just connected the state, just the state of Minnesota, just the state of Minnesota, and you're yeah. one of them. And did you then, from the '70s till the '90s, did you just acquire, acquire? Did you? Grow just well. It's uh, when an opportunity came up, uh, we acquired. Okay. Uh,
1: so you're on a growth mission. Yeah, well, We, kind of had been my my father started it, and I just kind of kept it going. Okay. And and then as all of a sudden uh, that the, in the telephone industry, acquisitions started going all over the place. Then it became a. A matter of if you didn't grow, then you were going to be eaten. You wouldn't be here.
0: By the AT&T's and— Well, you know, it, was,
1: it was by—there uh, was a lot of, lot of companies that were formed, venture capitalists, that just go out and start buying.
0: Throwing them all in one bucket yeah. to resell a bigger junk. A bigger yeah. That happened when, in the 80s?
1: Well, that, that started probably in the, in the 70s a little bit and kept on going. Okay. And it, it still goes. Uh,
0: you know, uh,
1: when you go for a, a nice company that you want to go after that's up for sale and you, you start bidding and, and you find out that, well, you're competing against a uh, venture capitalist fund from Great Britain. So, uh, you know, and uh, come in second. Yeah.
0: So, hmm. so uh, fast forward today, and then we can go back a little bit, but where are we leading to? How many employees, how, how big is your territory? How many employees and how many customers, like from 9,000 to well, 90?
1: Well, uh, we reached a peak in the low 60,000.
0: Okay, 60,000.
1: And uh, then with the cell phones becoming really popular in the last roughly 10 years now, that's dipping down to, we're about 50.
0: Okay, or households, maybe just an,
1: households though. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it turns out now, nowadays that's uh, what you kind of look for is, is the internet customer. Uh, there's a lot of people that are inter- internet owner only because the cell phone is their phone. They don't want a, a land. landline.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: They they can live with with uh, the cell phone.
0: Right. Uh, I'm. They one.
1: use they use their landline to to connect to the internet.
0: Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm an avid customer, but like the land, I don't, I cannot memorize my landline. Only a few people have it. But the number. Um, okay. So between seventy, eighty, ninety, um, we are just growing markets. You're buying into into different well,
1: communities? We bought into different communities because you know we were always in acquisition mode and uh, there was uh, quite a few of those that we were contacted by them and asked if we were interested. Okay. Uh, no broker in between, uh, no nothing, just two people sitting down and, and, uh, Agreeing on, on on the price, and that's what it goes. These are, these were all other family-owned companies, mm-hmm. and so that's kind of where the 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 '90s. It ac- actually, it started uh, with Twin Valley in '85, which actually was a one-time family member. Okay, it was an aunt of my It was my father's brother. And his wife had the exchange and he died in a, of a heart attack in 1961 and she ran it until
0: 85 and decided it was time to get out, so. Okay, and the company your grandfather founded that your uncle managed, is that a different one? Uh, my, that was Twin Valley. Oh, that was Twin
1: Valley. That was Twin Valley. Okay. Uh, when he died, she ran it then.
0: So your father actually took over his father's Company. Yeah, actually, actually uh, my father's
1: father owned that before the youngest right. son got it, yeah. bought it from him. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, actually, the t- town that my father grew up in, uh, we acquired them in 2010. Okay. So, brought it home again.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and so. And how big is your footprint? Like you are going up to brain? Like how big is the footprint of? Well, our we
1: our farthest north exchange is Big Fork, okay, which is not too far from Canada. Yeah, and uh, we go to almost to the Iowa border for our southern exchange at. Okay. At home telephone company down. Just above the Iowa border, south. West of Rochester. So, th- almost through the north south. Yeah, it's we cover, well, whatever there were in twenty three counties in the state. Oh wow. And uh, well, it's we actually uh, our fiber network now in the in the state is rings the metro, runs from uh, Rochester to Duluth uh, to Fargo.
0: Okay, so how is it that like the the big. I don't even know if there's a, like. The bells or the AT&Ts. How is it that they were not successful? Um, is it because of the niche, the, the rural, and you just slowly took uh, over? They're they're successful, but.
1: Uh,
0: but you're dominant, correct?
1: Yeah. Well, we like to say with that we are in the areas that that we serve, and that's mainly because we pro- try to provide the best that we that we can. Yeah. And uh, the government, uh, FCC has decided to help out that way. Uh, there's loan money that says you have to get out into the rural and you gotta provide X amount of bandwidth to, to everybody. And now you can hear some of the Congress people running for president that want to create a huge pot of money
0: out there uh, to get it everywhere. To get it connect, to get everybody connected. Yeah. Okay, so that, that would benefit, you would benefit and be able to support that objective. Oh yeah, that it's, objective.
1: Uh, right now we're, we're on an objective to, to get the, the worst customer to be able to get, uh, what was it, one up and four down.
0: Okay. And that'll be the worst. Oh, that's okay. That's pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, we're talking M bits, right? Megabits. Megabits per second. Yes. That would be the worst connection. That's the worst connection. Wow, I think your average is a at ten down, uh, two up.
1: Well, it's uh, they're trying to do. Uh, let's see, what is it? Ten up and hundred down in some most areas. Or closer, oh, wow closer to the city
0: yeah that's the fastest probably yeah that'd, that'd be but the, the fastest. the average would
1: be yeah uh, 25 and five oh, really? 25 and three is what they're what they're originally shooting at
0: okay okay
1: that is fast yeah and uh, the, the four one is, is is going to be very few customers out of the 50,000 customers that we have that'd be about a thousand of them
0: okay. So and that
1: would be just people you, you really can't get to, like up on the Canadian border. Well, <laughs> it'd be, it'd be people that are probably twenty five miles from
0: your exchange. Okay, you still call it an exchange, yeah? Yeah, <laughs> which is Although awesome. Although
1: it, it's interesting because, uh, you know, every exchange had their own switch.
0: Yeah, switchboard uh, or yeah, switchboard.
1: Uh, yeah, whether it was. Operated an operator on it or electronic. Now
0: we got we got one for the company. One big one for the whole company. Yeah. For 50,000? Well, well there's actually
1: two of them because uh, we got it, what, they're dual. Okay. If one goes down, the other one takes over. Okay. So.
0: The one for all fifty thousand. Isn't that? Yeah. I mean, you have seen from from the the the, the one cable with forty customers. You have seen. It go from primitive, let's call it, sorry, with all respect, oh, primitive, is, it was. To, to fiber. Yeah. So, so you witnessed the whole technology transformation. Uh, how do you feel? Like, is it mind-bothering? Like, like data well, zipping through the lines? Oh, yeah. It's, I, I like to,
1: to lay in bed once in a while and say, yeah, I wonder what my father would think about it. If he could, if he could actually uh, see what, what his exchange what his company turned into, huh. you know it's uh, the growth. Uh, and this is something he never really figured. No. Although, if you read the the funnies in the fifties, and you read Dick Tracy. Time. Video rotch Oh yeah. And now we're there. And the tele- and speaking on it.
0: Yeah. The, the, you know, that
1: virtually is there today.
0: Yeah. Uh, um, I remember Back to the Future when there was this video calling that was also the early 80s and that was still a, a dream. And now that is just all reality. Do you think, sometimes I think, did those visions or those, those, like the cartoon that you just described or what I remember from the 80s with Back to the Future, do you think that drove the inventors and the technology to get there because they saw, like, we want to do this. How do you think that happened? Uh, That we provide internet to every lake household. I mean, that's why I think it's so interesting to talk because you connect us rural and at the lake to the World Wide Web and without any issue. And we have, I can, everybody on the lake can watch Netflix. I think sometimes people don't even think about it. If everybody is streaming and there's, Couple people in each household on a small lake. We are all watching Netflix at 11 p.m. because the lake is dark. <laughs> yeah. We're not swimming no more or fishing, maybe some, but that is a task that we have to overcome where, where we're at. And you provided that technology. Like, how do you think we got that far? Um, like, uh, where we. I Somebody
1: out there uh, is thinking these things up. You know, it's the Bell Labs of the world. Uh, yeah. They come up with this. I mean, the video phone was developed back, back in the 60s. Really? Yeah, it the just, idea. It just the idea, and they actually had it working, but it was so costly, you couldn't, couldn't develop it. it wasn't feasible, or like- It wasn't feasible,
0: huh. but, but it, it, was, it worked in the lab. Oh, really? Yep. So to, okay, so the, the, the obstacle always is cost. How do yes. we make it consumer affordable? And
1: that, well, that's that's what it is. And eventually the technology up, catches up with with the development that makes it work. Mm. And so that's what you end up with then.
0: Mm. So where do you see us? Like, what do you know? What is out there and in, in, in the, communication worlds, I mean, do you, do you actually, are you able to provide a cellular system? Or like, where do you see ARVIC or us living rural? Because, a, a cellular system? Yeah, are you gonna add cellular system? Does it make any sense?
1: Uh, with, with the cellular systems that, that are out there today, and actually uh, we were part of what is Verizon now, because uh, we helped build RCC and, and that was in Alexandria and provided one of the cell customers or clients, companies in this part of the state. RCC is the antenna? Was Rural, Cellu- no, Rural Cellular Corporation. Oh, okay. That uh, back in the, in the eighty late 80s, uh, started to build the cellular systems. Oh. And our, our, the headquarters for the basically the, the north, West quadrant of the state was uh, RCC, and that was headquarters was in Alexandria. Okay, they sold to Verizon probably a dozen years ago.
0: Okay, but you did not back then. You weren't interested in going cellular. You couldn't.
1: Well, it's you couldn't you couldn't afford to do it because the technology was 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 very costly. Uh, uh, and then the government started this, well, to look at the billions of dollars they get for selling the, 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 I was just the gonna, bandwidth.
0: I was just going to say, in Europe and Germany, they just, uh, the G5 or the LTE, they just auctioned that off, I think, well, I don't know, 5 billion or something, billion. Yeah. <laughs> so there's only that many players that can compete. Right? Yeah, that's, and that's why uh, right now we've got about,
1: well, there's more than four cellular companies in the United States, because there's still some smaller ones that have a niche market in certain communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, I think those will all be gone too, but right now you, you got uh, I Verizon, Sprint, AT&T. Uh, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Those four? Yeah. They're, they're the pri- four primary ones. Uh, I think Sprint will be gone shortly because they're gonna end up with a merger with T-Mobile.
0: Yeah, I read some. Yeah,
1: so you're gonna have three. Okay. Uh, and so you got three sets of big towers in every area of the state to cover everything. Now they're talking about 5G. Right. Uh, I have a hard time seeing 5G Ever get into the rural area? Okay. Mainly because the bandwidth in 5G means that you need a tower about
0: every 300 feet. That's what I saw on a graphic too. You need a lot of points. Like you can only provide it like in a stadium. Yep. You do them like toc 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 toc, and uh, you need a lot of um, access points or whatever it's called. Yep. See you.
1: You take a look at Minneapolis. The, Minneapolis, I guess, is one of the targets that potentially will be built. Mm-hmm. You got. You have to
0: have a tower in the middle of every block. Wow. And now they don't even know yet uh, because we are sending frequencies. Like, I mean, they're shooting through our body too. Well, so far, the, every every study says
1: they aren't causing any effects, but. There are some people out there who don't believe that.
0: Yeah, I I don't know. I, Especially when you're holding the cell phone against your head all the time. I only use a headset for that reason because <laughs> I, I I claim that I it gets a little warm up there, but I don't know maybe I'm just. Uh, well, I know hmm. that if you're talking a long time, the phone gets warm. Right, and maybe that's just uh, yeah radiating so, on my skin. So, <laughs> for well, sure. Well, uh, something's heating it
1: up. Uh, we, absolutely. There's a lot of current going through there to do that.
0: Right. Yeah, I don't I don't want to put it too close to my head. But um, and yeah, so you do you think um, that actually protects you, I guess, if we don't have the bandwidth in rural. So your Internet connection to our, let's call it lake homes, the rural, the farms, the living outside of the communities. So your the landline will be as relevant as ever for us in rural Minnesota. Yeah, be- because if we want to have high speeds, we gotta be on a, on a, I call it the copper line a fiber line. We gotta be on the line. Yeah, see,
1: in my mind, the only way 5G ever gets to the rural is they have to have a technology that the that tower is cheap enough or the signal transmitter is cheap enough that for a single farmstead, you can go out there and on their silo or on their chimney, uh, you put the antenna and it'll reach to all points least within their where their buildings are, that they can use a cell phone. It won't get to them to their tractor in their field or anything like that. Right. They'd have to have a handset, which I don't know what size it'll be, but I know that someday they'll have a handset that will, will go between 5G and 4G or 3G. You mean a, it's like a you mean the phone right so hand- so so one handset one phone mm-hmm. so that you you can use that when you're it's 5g when you're within the city and it'll go to 4G when that's all you have available it switches it switches yeah. I know they, they will end up having that but to get the 5g which is supposed to be better because you get more bandwidth with it just shorter distances you get out of You go out to Little Pine Lake and uh, and you know a lot of homes that are 150 feet apart. Maybe a tower is cheap enough that you can put a pole up here uh, and you know every 300 feet you put an antenna and you can serve everybody. Then maybe you can get 5G to them that way.
0: But question. um, But to get the signal out there. You've got to have fiber optics, right? So that was my question. The antenna that we that you just described, it needs to be fed, right? It's sending out, so it's, yeah. so it actually is connected, hardwired, and then sends a Wi-Fi or like a yep, it's it's hardwired
1: cellular. to to a unit that is fed off of fiber optics.
0: That so, I thought, like for example, a, a um, Steve Jobs, his goal or dream. Was that every phone in the future is just connected through the internet, like let's say Wi Fi connections. So I think rural, um, in our houses, we, because you can use the function, I just found that out, cellular on Wi Fi on. So when you're in a Wi Fi network, you actually have cellular. I was just in Germany, in yeah. fact, in the cellular network of a house, and I had my yeah, American phone your, working your, your, through cellular.
1: Your internet has to be connected to
0: to a, a Wi-Fi network, right? So, so I was using an American phone in Europe through Wi-Fi, and I I just used the internet to communicate. Yeah. So, would that not be helping and substituting that five? That that could G- be,
1: but it, it might not rural. be. It might not be five G because most cell phones are. Or 3G or 4G.
0: Is Wi-Fi not even faster then?
1: Wi-Fi Would
0: that be even faster? Well, it depends on
1: what your router is.
0: Okay. Okay. I'm really impressed that you know all those things because I <laughs> I really don't know. Well, but you're an, totally you, in it, it, yeah. If you really want to
1: want to know what the technology is, you got to talk to my son. Okay.
0: <laughs> but uh, now let's that uh, let come to that point. Um, your son now is um, the the operating Partner, yeah. oh, like what's your your role is still guide or?
1: Well, it's. Did you retire? Uh, no, I haven't retired, okay. but I, I just <laughs> I I don't do any of the day to day
0: anymore. That's, that's that's my son. So. And okay, so he is the third generation, in your, part of the yep, company. And but
1: actually, we have a fourth generation here now too. Already. Yes. Okay. Uh, David's eldest, uh, his daughter is working
0: in marketing. Okay, okay. So, and if I would like to count your grandfather in it too, because he actually probably initiated the yeah the road for your father. So you're you're a long term uh, um, telecommunications family. family. That's very yes. rare. Yeah,
1: yep. very unique. Well, it's uh, it is unique, but uh, there is another Arvik family. That's that's followed in the same path and uh, that was my grandfather's brother and he had the telephone company at Pequot Lakes in in Reamer okay and not Reamer but uh, Pequot Lakes and I don't know well oh, senior moment i can't remember the next town but
0: yeah so is that still existing too
1: uh no they ended up being sold to TDS okay but uh, his son is still in, in the business uh, uh, in the Minneapolis
0: area with uh,
1: a wireless offering.
0: Oh, cool. So, and um, actually, your, your, your brand name, um, it wasn't always Arvik. Like, how did that all end up that you're not now known as Arvik Communications?
1: Uh, well... <laughs> We started as the Perm Telephone Company and then the East Tel Telephone Company, then RV Communications. And uh, it was then during the RV Communications, uh, the whole industry decided they wanted to come up with new names. Uh, and we hired a marketing firm out of the Metro. Uh, I said we paid big bucks for that. They did a big study and uh, ended up coming back and said the best name was playing Arvik. So that's why uh, we ended up that. It's, it surprised me. Uh, a little embarrassing to start with, but you kind of get used to it, I guess.
0: Why, because it's
1: your last name? Yeah, because you're in some place and and you're talking, and they say, "Well, who are, who are you? What's your name?" And you say, "Arvig." And say, Arvig, you know. Gee, I see your vehicles all over the place, you know. And I, this is, well, you know, to me that's a little embarrassing. I'd rather stay in the background.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> um, but it's also something to be proud of, I guess. Oh, yeah. And and uh, if if your father uh, would have foreseen the future. Well, I think, oh, I think a, he'd be proud. Yeah, I, I bet he would. Yeah. No, uh, very 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 interesting. Uh, I'm glad that we have the Arabic network. Uh, to be honest, because I depend <laughs> on my work. I'm sending this podcast and the World Wide web here from Perm through your network, and I think a lot of people would be disappointed to not use their phones and internet and access to the to the social. Yeah, and our goal is to make it even faster. So.
1: Yeah. And uh, we're working, we have to uh, put in, uh, well, we have to build out, uh, we started two and a half years ago and we had to build out to 32,000 customers to, to build, to increase the, the speed of the network.
0: With fiber? With, with fiber. Yeah, I am on Lake Seven and it's amazing. We have fiber everywhere. I was very, very yeah. impressed. Yeah, it's, uh, we've, we started to build
1: uh, Fiber to the Home, and we selected Osage as our first company to build out, and uh, that uh, is getting to be spread out all over everywhere. So,
0: Yeah, well, closing out, I usually like to ask our guests uh, what you like most about lake life. Uh, you live on the lake here in, in Perm, right?
1: Yeah, okay. I uh, actually, uh, I bought uh, a home on uh, Little Pine in early 90s.
0: Uh,
1: Rented it out for a bunch of years. Okay. And, uh, you know, I grew up on Little Pine. Uh, My eldest sister uh, and her husband bought, bought the place from my mother. My mother wanted me to buy it and I, I said, no, because I'm going to want to change the house and you aren't going to want me to. <laughs> I said, I would buy it only for the lawn because it was a gorgeous lawn and I mowed it for years. <laughs> but I would want to change the house. And she says, you know, well, thank you for telling me that. And so she had my sister buy it. and. They took out the house <laughs> without telling well that's mother said said you know I, I told her what was wrong with it and and uh, my sister and her husband said they wanted to, to change it and do things different also I mean it was it was a home that was built in 1951 on a slab on the lake and it was added on about five times and it was piecemealed together and <laughs> And what do you enjoy most of being uh, at the lake? I, I I just like to wake up in the morning and I look out the bedroom windows and I, I look at the lake, mainly to see where the, what direction the wind's out of. <laughs> uh, and I, I loved to, to have the swans. Uh, I'm on Little Pine and for some reason, that is as the ice starts to build on the lake, all of a sudden, the swans show up in front of my place by the hundreds. Really? And, and there, there must be some feet on the bottom of the lake that they can reach. And they're sitting there and feeding and they're squawking, keeping you awake all, all night. It's gorgeous, actually. Yeah. That's what I like about the
0: lake. So you like uh, con- to be connected to nature. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So.
1: Very good. It is, it is enjoyable.
0: Yeah, I, and very rejuvenating. Yes. Well, thank you very much for your time and sharing your story. Thank you. Yeah, this was already our uh, newest episode of the Lake Life Weekend podcast. We sure hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tune in again next week with another great guest and updates. Always check out our website, uh, lakelifeweekend.com. And if you have some comments, please feel free to email us at hello at lakelifeweekend.com and uh, you have a wonderful weekend ahead.